right. Are you ready for the word today? Let's begin. Would you stand to your feet one more time as we set our heart and attention our focus? The Bible says set your affection or focus on things above. It is a turning of a page. It's a switching of a channel. And so let's get our focus on God one more time. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come together, to be in your presence, to be in a house of worship. We thank you for the freedoms that you have given us, not only as a nation, but individuals as your children. And so, Father, we exercise those freedoms today. We receive them, we demonstrate them, we share them with other people. We thank you that you are good and there is none like you. We worship and we praise you, Father God. We praise the mighty name of Jesus today. And we plead the blood of Jesus over this house and every person that walked in today. Father, I don't know where they're at in the journey. I don't know if they're in challenges and battles or if they're top of the mountain victories. But I thank you that your plans for them is to get better and better and brighter and brighter, Proverbs 4. And so we thank you, Father. I just ask that as Ephesians 1 says... I pray that the anointing, the spirit of wisdom and revelation would rest on this house today and that the eyes of all of our eyes of our understanding be opened, that we may know what you're doing, what you have for us, the, and your power that's available to us. And we give you praise. And everyone said, amen. amen. Turn around and greet two, three people. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Well, this place is packed. Hallelujah. If you're a first-time guest with us, again, I'm Pastor Greg Bruce. Uh, you are in Hope Church, and we are so glad to have you with us today. We give our guests uh, anonymity, which means hang out and hide out, make yourself at home. We'll not ask you to say or do anything to draw attention to yourself. Just make yourself at home and have a good time. And everybody said amen to that. I was talking to a dear lady who said, came up to me and said, Pastor, I'm ready to, you know, I've been hanging out and hiding out. And I said, well, great. She goes, I'm ready to step out and become a member. I said, wonderful. I said, how long have you been hanging out and hiding out? She said, six years. I said, wow, that idea has been milked for everything you can get out of that. And so if you have been hanging out and hiding out and you're ready to step out and become, join us, be a part. How do you do that? We don't do a club or class or handshake. We just want you involved. You can talk to Freedom after the service. I'll, he's the one that did the communion. And great job on communion. Wow, that was powerful today. Powerful. Powerful. Or across the hallway, Miss Debbie's also one of our care pastors in the information. And get involved. Become a part of the lifeblood of what God's doing. Amen. Amen. Our series theme for the year has been the God of the impossible doing the impossible for you today. Amen. Can you say that with me? Say the God of the impossible, God is, impossible. Is, doing is doing the impossible, the impossible. for me today. Now, we use the word impossible. That's what the Lord placed on my heart during our 21 days of prayer and fasting in January. But you could interchange that with miracles. He's the God of miracles. But I've noticed, and I believe that's why the reason God gave it the way he did to me, is a lot of times for some of us who have been in the church world a long time, sometimes you can be around something so much that it becomes common and loses its meaning on what's being said. Have you ever done that? You, we assume we know what's being said. We do that to each other. If you're close to somebody, they'll start a sentence and your brain will go to where you think they're going. And we'll make the assumption we know what they want or what they're saying. And it's a danger, it can be a dangerous thing in relationships, also in our walk with God, when we begin to read the Bible and we kind of look over it and skim over it and not dig deeper into the meaning. And so I believe that's why God placed that on my heart that way. He is still the God of miracles. He is the God of the impossible. 
that Bible that you hold or you read, or it should be in Jesus' name, it is story after story is about the impossible being made possible. Jesus even said, to him who believes, nothing is impossible. And yet in life, we deal with what appears in our natural perspective as impossible. And that's why we want to drill this over and over, because Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. And again, if you're a first-time guest, one of the cultures that we've established at Hope Church is I want you to challenge everything. Anything I say, anything anybody says, challenge it with the Word of God. It doesn't mean I don't know what I'm talking about, but I want you to know it for yourself because you've dug in during the week and looked this thing up and saying, I wonder if Pastor Greg's right about that in that verse. And you begin to read it, and the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. Then it becomes yours. Did you hear me? Then it becomes yours. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord, but the things revealed belong to you and your children. So ownership doesn't happen because you've read it. Ownership happens because it's been revealed to you. And that comes out of hearing and hearing again. Amen. Because my goal is if, God forbid, you deal with a storm in 2024 and the devil pokes you, the first thing out of your mouth is the God of the impossible is doing the, not the, oh, me, why me, poor me, but the God of the impossible. Look to your neighbor, if you believe that, say, the God of the impossible is doing the impossible for me today. And say, the God of the impossible is doing the impossible for you too today, in Jesus' name. If you believe that, give Also, I want to read our Psalms 111, which is our theme verse. He causes us to remember his wonderful works. He has shown his great power to his people by giving them the, giving them the lands of other nations. I'm telling you, I believe that, that what God's doing in this year will not be easily forgotten. It will be remembered. Did you hear me? What, I mean, you get a miracle like the dear lady who just sent a report, was diagnosed with breast cancer and was prayed for, and now it's clean bill of health, no cancer. You'll remember those stories. Years down the road, you'll remember that story. You'll remember those type of stories. The, the God of the impossible, he, and what he's going to do is not going to be easily forgotten. It will be remembered, and he's going to place into your hand. It's just not just a, an emotional thing or a woo. I'm telling you, the God of the impossible is doing the impossible, and he's going to place... I believe, lands, properties, businesses into your hands in the name of Jesus. If you believe that, shout amen. Every covenant in the Bible included the transfer of new property. Every covenant included the transfer of new property. Why? Because God just doesn't want you to Say, oh, I know God's blessing me. He wants people to see that you're blessed. Amen. Amen. Now, if you come and this is your first time and you're against blessing, that's fine. That's fine. You can be that way. We, we believe in the blessing of God. I don't believe God. God doesn't mind you having things. He just doesn't want things to have you. That's when it becomes dangerous. And yet, I just challenge you, if you don't believe in God's prosperity or blessing, read the Bible from that perspective. Just Google it. It's easy. Bible word prosperity, quote, unquote, and hit enter and watch what it says. Bible, blessing, quote, quote, and hit it and watch all the verses. And I just challenge people, if you don't believe in blessing, don't spend 50 hours of your good quality time working for somebody to get something that you don't believe in. 
Come on, somebody. Well, I don't need that much. It's not, see, that's the problem with people who don't believe in prosperity. They think that the money's only for them. You walk around and bless people. You go walk around and feed the hungry. How do, you, how do you give clothes to the naked if you can't pay for clothes for your children? How do you feed the hungry if you can't feed your own family? Do you see the point? It's not a, and we have taken that context even that what we want in life, a lot of times we got to be willing to stay in a posture to poor. Because the miracle of the kingdom, the process of the kingdom of God, seek first the kingdom, is that we, we get in like the, the widow woman. He said, pour the oil. And the miracle happened while she was pouring. While she was pouring, the weight of the miracle happened. God didn't give it to her in the container that she had because the container of what she could hold would never handle the weight of what God was bringing to her. And the goodness that God has for you is so great, he can't bring it to you with the confines of your ability to manage it on your own ability. And so what he does in his system is he says, I want you to begin to look around and pour into other people's lives. And while you're pouring into other people's lives, watch what happens because what you sow, you shall reap. Come on. In quick summary, we found out that Jesus is the life-giving spirit, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 45. And if we're part of the body of Christ, then that means that we're givers. We're not Christians walking around needy, needy, I need, I need, I need. No, God's created you to be in his image, to be a reflection of him. Amen. Jesus said, the works that I do, you shall do also. That means he, we need to go about helping other people, yes. blessing other people, encouraging other people. Yes. Well, I just need somebody to encourage me today. Well, you know, when you begin to say, God, send me somebody and encourage me, he's going to send somebody that needs encouragement to you. And you're going to look, if you don't understand the system, you'll look at that and say, you, you don't understand Jesus. I need a cheerleader. I don't need, a, I don't need someone who needs to be encouraged. And God said, you don't understand. Because out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. This he spoke of the Holy Spirit who had not yet come because Jesus had not been glorified. Well, the good news is he's already been glorified and is at the right hand of the Father. That means we have the Holy Spirit. That means it's just not a well. It can be a river. And when we tap into the river, we're letting it flow out of us into other people. You're like, what do you need? Well, start finding somebody with that same need and begin to minister, pray for them. Because if you sow into the things of the Spirit, you're going to reap life. That's a Zoe quality of life. Amen? Amen? Amen. It's learning to make a deposit by speaking God's Word into the lives of other people. Isaiah 55, 11, John 6, 63, and Matthew 8, 8 through 12. And when we release that life that's on the inside of us, because you are the temple of the Holy Ghost, then all of a sudden you can also drink and receive from that life yourself for what you want to receive, we need to begin releasing Luke 6, 38. Jesus said, give and it shall be given. That's God's kingdom way. And that's just not, are you listening? That's just not a financial thing. I just need some friends. Proverbs says, he who wants friends should show himself. It's throughout the Bible. Because what God wants you to see is that you already have it on the inside of you. We have been taught in the religious world, and I'm not into religion. And that offends you. Pray for me and I'll pray for you. I'm not into religion. I define religion as man's rules to get to God. We are into real relationship with Jesus Christ based on the word of God. Can I get an amen? Based on the word and the truth of God's word. 
And so we have to get this mindset because if we're not careful, the religion will tell us when we ask of God, we're waiting to receive from the context in that we're waiting for him to do. So we're praying, Lord, I need a better job. Lord, I need a healing. Lord, I need restoration of my marriage. Lord, I need, my, I need peace and joy. I need, and we're, it's like our, our mind can go, we're waiting for God to get up from his place of rest and to create it for us, to give it to us. It's quiet, so that means that we've all been dealt with that. But the truth be told, it's already provided. He has given us all things, the Bible says. He has, get, has given us all things that pertains to life and godliness. Has given. He has prepared a table for us in the midst of our enemies. He is our Jehovah Jireh. Your needs are already met. When were they met? They were met on the cross of Calvary. So at the cross of Calvary, everything comes through the covenant of Jesus. Everything points to Jesus. Everything. Even Old Testament, if you begin to read that way, even the Old Testament are shadows of things to come. What do they do? They point to Jesus. Moses, I want you to put the blood around and take the, that Passover lamb, and we're going to call it the Pasach, the Passover lamb, and the death angel passed over. I want you to do that every year to remind you what I did, but God did that because he wanted them to know in the future there was going to be a Passover lamb that didn't cover their sins for, come on somebody, that didn't cover their sins for a year, but washed away their sins for eternity. And John the Baptist got the revelation that they didn't even understand at the time. And he pointed to Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God. He literally, literally would have said to a bunch of Jewish people that understood the language, Behold the Pesach. That takes away the sins of the world. Whew, my God. Everything points to Jesus. He did it on the cross of Calvary. He did it at the cross of Calvary. So it already belongs to us. So it already belongs. Say, it's mine. So I want you to get that perspective that you don't receive your inheritance waiting for God to create the inheritance. The inheritance already belongs to you. Hebrews 6.12, Hebrews 11.33. Hebrews 6.12 says, let us be imitators of them who through faith and patience inherited the promises of God. Through patience and faith, they did what? They inherited. Inherited. They inherited. They inherited. An inheritance never is available until someone dies. And if we're expecting the inheritance of God, how does God die? Until you understand the big picture that God sent his son, who was not only equally man in the flesh, but also was God. For in the beginning, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among I think we're going somewhere today. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. So when Jesus died on the cross, all of a sudden he not only died, was buried, on the third day resurrected, and at the immediate, are you listening, at the time of of the death, burial, and resurrection at that event, guess what? Inheritances are available. We just have to receive them. We just have to receive them. Now, we, we've talked, last, last couple weeks, we've talked about a key to that is letting it flow out to other people. Because like a dead sea, it has inflow, no outflow, and it becomes dead. A lot of Christians, no one here, a lot of Christians will go to church and they get a lot of inflow, but there's no outflow and their life is dead. 
They love Jesus. They're going to heaven, but there's no life. There's no joy. There's no anointing. Why? Because they, all, they, all they think is, I need more inflow. And if I get more inflow, I'll be happy. And they might be happy for a moment, but they don't keep their happiness. Why? Because there's no outflow. So we not only need inflow, we need, we need God to work through us, outflow to other people, right? So we can't be stingy. God wants us to release. I'll bless you, Genesis 12, 2. Do you know this verse? I will bless you, and I will make you a blessing. Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. He didn't say go and hang out and have a party and just do four, four more and leave it at that and nobody else and just enjoy the journey of just what you guys have. Kumbaya, Lord. It's just us. We'll just let everybody else go to hell. No, he said, now you go, right? Freely receive, freely give. Today, I want to bring in a new series, still under the big canopy here, but a new series. And I'm going to go, I'm going to flip it. And it's going to sound like I am saying the complete opposite from what we are talking about at first glance. But it's not. Because what we have to understand the bigger picture is every situation defines a different parameter. Let me say it differently. Let me, let me, let me say it differently. If your best friend knocks on the door and you recognize their voice, you'll probably say, come on in. If a creepy stranger knocks on your door, you'll probably say, what do you want? And the reason I say it that way is both are people knocking, but the response is different. So who you deal with dictates how you should be handling this. So on this side, we're talking about God will use you to bless people. And to release it out of you, say, well, I, I need some joy. Well, go find somebody else that needs some joy and pray and speak the word of God of joy into their life and watch as they're receiving, you'll get blessed too. Do you see that? On this side, starting today, I want to talk about a different perspective. And let me give you an illustration that I've seen, and I think most of us have, if you've had children or you've been around children. Aren't children just wonderful? I mean, and, and babies, we're getting have a, ready to have a baby dedication. I mean, they're just, just the purity, the, the, they're just, they sit there and they're laying there sleeping and you're just thinking, how amazing. Yeah. And then they grow up and they're so sweet and they're so beautiful. <laughs> and then you see them in certain times, you think, OMG, where did that come from? <laughs> I'm just speaking about my neighbor's kids, not mine. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. And so have you ever seen little kids at a playground? And they'll have, a, a child will have a toy, and they're playing with that toy. Maybe they have three toys. And an, another kid just walks up and says, can I play with that? What does that child typically do? They'll grab it, turn, and make a mean, snarly face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That precious little angel girl <laughs> who just melts your heart when they walk in and say, Mommy or Daddy, I love you, whatever it might be. But all of a sudden, they get a little snarky face, and they take that, and they go, no, mine. Right, 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 right. Has anybody ever seen kids do that? Right? And we try, as parents, we try to teach them, no, you can share. But they want to go, mine. It's the natural thing, right? Mine. No, you can't have it. It's mine. No, no, come on. You got seven toys. Let's let them play with one. Oh, it's okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. We want to teach them to share. We want, we want them to... We want to teach them to share with other people, right? right? right. 
We want to teach them to share with other people. On this side, I want to teach you how to say, no, mine. Now, you may think that's a complete opposite of this, but it all depends on who you're talking to. Because if all I know is this rhythm, in the times where I have to deal with this challenge, nothing that, it, 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 I'm referencing this group, and I don't mean to be referencing this group. I, I had to think earlier, which group do I reference this way? And I figured, you know, I'm going to do this one because I love you all a lot more than these people over here, and I don't want them to know that. So I'm going to bring a little balance, okay? And so, and so there's times that we will have opposition where the, keep in mind, it already belongs to you. He's given you all things that pertains to life and godliness. God, your Father has. All good gifts comes down from the Father of lights, the Bible says, right? It's already yours. But what does the enemy try to do? John 10, 10. The thief has come, we'll throw this on the screen. The thief has come. To steal, kill, and destroy. There it is. The thief has come to what? Steal. steal. The thief has come to do what? Steal. He does not come to give you a great weekend. One night fling. Short trip. A fun. No, his goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. And when you talk about that, usually um, you go down the road of sin. Because sin will always take you farther you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay. Because the devil doesn't play for fun. He's trying to play for keeps. And if there's sin in your life, 1 John 1, 9, repent. Confess your sins to God. And he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Can I get an amen? amen? Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. Okay? But the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't come to give you something. He comes to take something from you. If you've been part of this church, you've heard this more than once. Why? Because we have to get it into the culture of our thinking. When you get hit with a storm of life, or attack of life, the religious world and the other world will tell you, God did it. Even the insurance company, if a tornado blows down your house, they'll call it an act of God. It's so ingrained within our culture that when, if God forbid, you got a bad doctor's report, a bad banker's report, a bad the attorney's letter, whatever it might mean, we will begin to blame God. But God didn't do it. The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come, Jesus said, that you might have life and life more abundantly. That, and we, last week we went into more depth. You can get this all on YouTube. It's the zoe is the Greek word, the God quality of life, the richness of life that's available to you because of Jesus. If, you're the, only, if the only change of our quality of life is when we get saved is that we know we're going to go to heaven, but everything else stays the same and except for what we do on Sunday morning. We're missing all that's available to us. And you can wait till you get to heaven to begin to experience it. But Jesus is the one who encouraged them to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which means by faith, I can receive what's available to me that's there. I can bring it here. Amen. Why? Because it can not only benefit me here, but be a great billboard for other people to know that God is still alive. Amen. So the thief comes. You throw that verse back up. So the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. A thief never comes if you're walking through a neighborhood or leaving a store. God forbid you see someone being uh, robbed with a gun. They never 
pull a gun and tell somebody, take this trash home. They'll never try to break into a house and just mess everything up and leave you with a mess of clean. No, they're looking. What are they looking? They're looking to take something of value. A thief wants something of value, even if you don't realize the value of what you have. So the devil doesn't try to give you sickness. He tries to take what belongs to you already, healing. The devil's not trying to give you fear. He's trying to take what God already provided for you. Peace of mind. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And we want to start this series. Today's kind of like an overview. But we want to dig in over the next few weeks. I want to talk about how to learn and have the right perspective and position and understanding so that we can realize when the enemy's knocking on your door and trying to aggravate you and trying to get you in fear and wanting you to give up your peace, you can rise up and say, no, devil, I'm keeping my peace. No, it's mine. No, that belongs to me. I'm not giving that up. I'm not giving up the joy of the Lord. You've got to be crazy. I'm not giving up a blessing. No, you, no, 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 no. Not now, not ever, not here, not anywhere. I'm not giving up what belongs to me. To see the difference. You, it's like, I'm just going to, oh God, why me? God said, I've already done it. I've given you authority, Matthew 18, 18. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And we get the idea that we're fighting to get something instead of realizing it already belongs to us. And we got to tell the devil, put it back. That is mine. You can't have it. I'm not giving it up. It's mine. Am I talking to anybody today? Are you ready to let the devil know that whatever he's been trying to steal out of your life, he can no longer have it. It belongs to you. It's been purchased by the blood. It's been purchased by the blood. And in the name of Jesus, let it go. No, you are not giving it up. No, devil, it's mine. Shout, it's mine. Come on, shout, it's mine. Over the, over the period of this series, if you're taking notes, write these next four words down. Opposition, possession, perspective, and position. Opposition, possession, perspective, and position. I'll, I'll do it one more time. Opposition. If you're watching online, go ahead and, if you would, post it for later so people can see that. Opposition, possession, perspective, position. The enemy's the opposition. He'll come in different doorways, different avenues. He'll never show up with a pitchfork. Sometimes he works through people. Sometimes good people. He'll say stuff like Peter did to Jesus. Peter just had the greatest moment Amongst the group, because there's always that pecking order in humanity, as it was in the disciples, who's going to be the greatest? They struggle. Can you imagine? Walking with Jesus, listening to his ministry, seeing his miracles, and the greatest thing they could think of was, not how can I be more like you? How can I do what you want me to do? It was like, Lord, amongst us, who's the best? Who's your favorite? In the kingdom, who's going to get the best position? And Peter had a great day when Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And then he said, who do you say that I am? And, and Simon at the time later became Petros Peter. And Simon said, thou art Christ, the son of the blessed one. And, and Jesus said, Simon Barjona, which means his last name, Simon Barjona, uh, flesh and blood, or, which means people. Flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but has been revealed to you from my Father in heaven. And I tell you, upon this rock, 
I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. A few minutes later, Jesus begins to talk about, this is where I'm going, this is what's going to happen. He begins to bring them into the big picture of him going to the cross. And Peter must have been feeling really good. you got to love Peter. He's one of these personalities. He didn't take slow, methodical time to think about anything. See, I move a little more slower. I'm more methodical. I like to think things through. Peter was on it. But Peter was able to walk on water. Even for a little bit, don't complain about him going under, he was still walking at least for a few seconds. Amen? Peter was quick, but sometimes it got him in fire. Sometimes it got him in trouble. And so Peter must have been feeling really good about himself that day because Peter pulled Jesus off to the side. Can you imagine the audacity to take Jesus off to the side and bring a little correction? Think about that. That's what he did. He, come here, Lord. Hey, guys, stay right there. I mean, me and Jesus, we got to talk. Come here, Lord. I didn't want to say this in front of everybody. Greg Bruce translation, so I can. I didn't want to say this because I, I didn't want to embarrass you because, you know, things are really clicking for you. And things that I don't want to, I don't want to see anything hinder your ministry. And Lord, I just want you to know, I'll never let anybody do that to you. And Jesus didn't say, you know what, Peter, you're right. I don't know what I was thinking. Boy, you're, you, you, I, I appreciate you having my back, Peter, you know. I just gave you that big acknowledgement from everybody. Thank you for stepping into that role and setting me straight. Peter was trying to have a come to Jesus meeting with Jesus. But what did, what did Jesus respond? He said, get behind me, Satan. That's what you call going from the penthouse to the outhouse quickly. <laughs> get behind me, Satan. How you doing, buddy? You know, you gotta, you gotta respect. He went the shortest route. <laughs> Come on, say it's mine. So even the devil can try even use good people around you to try to talk you out of what God wants to take you and where God wants you to go. Oh, you don't need to go to that church and talking about believing in blessing. You know, you need to just be comfortable where you're at. Get your hopes up, and then things don't work out. Though I've seen that before. Because why? Angry people hurt people hurt people. And you would think that everybody would applaud your advancement of what God's doing, but not everybody applauds what God's doing in your life. You get a miracle, you might not want to call everybody and tell them about that miracle. You want to tell somebody. God will show you the somebody, but not everybody's going to be like, yeah, I've heard that before. Watch what happens. Talk to me in a year. Oh, you're fired up for God. Yeah, I've seen that before. It'll fade. Why? Because the devil will use anybody who's available. And when the enemy tries to bring opposition, we have to learn to begin to say, no, uh, no, mine. I'm not letting this go. I'm not letting this go. The devil cannot, listening, the devil cannot take it from you. He has to talk you out of it. He has to talk you out of it. 
He'll do that with emotion. He'll do that with fear. He'll do it with imagination. He'll do that with words that people say to you. He'll do with that with probabilities. He'll do with that. But you don't serve any God. You serve the God of the impossible. And I'm telling you today, he is doing the impossible. I'm speaking to somebody now by the anointing. He is doing the impossible for into your life today in Jesus' name. You better go back and look at that business one more time. You're going to begin to see it. You better go back and look at that situation again. He's the God of the impossible. He cannot take the possessions that God has for you. He couldn't, he couldn't overpower Adam and Eve. He had to talk him out of it. He had to talk him out of it. And the way he talked him out of it was not attacking Adam. He went through Eve. Now, this is not a diminish on women. This is really a diminish on Adam. Because if you go back to Genesis, you'll see that God worked with Adam during the day. And God walked with Adam in the cool of the night. They fellowshiped, but they also worked together. What did they do? The Bible says that God would bring the animals to Adam. Now, I personally believe, and you don't have to agree with this. I personally believe before the fall, animals could talk. Two reasons. One, Romans 8 says that even creation groans waiting for the manifestation of the sons of men. Two, if a snake couldn't talk, it should have freaked Eve out and she should have took off running. Just saying. Just saying. You don't have to agree with that. But God would bring the animals to Adam. Bring them before Adam. Why? Because Adam was the one that was in charge of this planet. In Genesis, God said, we'll make him, give him the jurisdiction. He's the one over. So God said, I'm creating the animals. Animals, come here. Line up and stand before the one who's in charge over your life. And Adam named them. Why? Because if you can't name something, you don't identify. And if you can't name and identify, you don't have authority over it. So he's saying, animals, I want you to come. I created you, but I'm bringing you under the authority of Adam. Adam named them. Now, the reason I say that is because what we don't necessarily realize at first glance is that Eve did not know the father. The reason I know she didn't know the father, because if you look in, in Genesis, you see the difference between God and the Lord God in King James. One was representing the creator. One was representing Jehovah, Yahweh, the father. And so the devil would come and say, did the creator say you cannot eat of this fruit of this tree? Look it up. And Eve responded and said, yes, the creator didn't know the father. The creator said, we can neither eat of it nor touch it. She didn't know what the father said. She not only didn't know him, she didn't know what he said because he never said you couldn't touch it. He said you couldn't eat of it because you had to touch it to manage it. You can't manage something that you can't get close to touch. Manage your children, but never touch them. Really, you think that's going to work? He never said, don't touch the fruit. He said, you manage that. I believe on a sub-note, I believe that was part of what we would call a tithe. Because in every covenant, there's a tithe. Which means God said, I'm the provider. And there's something I'm providing. I'm going to separate and say, it belongs to me. Don't touch it. But I want you to manage it. So God said to Adam, he said to, uh, to Adam uh, you're in charge. He brought the animals 
When the devil shows up, he begins to talk to Eve and said, did the creator said, And she said, yes, the creator said that we can't eat it nor touch it. And that he knew he had her. Because she neither knew the father nor what he said. And he was beginning to rationalize, to reason with her in the realm of reason about something that she already had. He said, the, uh, the creator doesn't want you to eat it because the day you eat it, you will be like him. But he had already made them like him. She did not understand that she was already made like him. If she knew what she would have had, she could have told the devil, sorry, too late. I already am. I already have. It's time for you to go. She baited him. He baited her with something that she already had but did not, was not aware of it. Why? The problem was on Adam. Why? Because remember, God brought the animals, who cre- he created the animals and brought them before Adam because Adam was in charge to let them know, here's the one that is ruling over you. Here's the authority over you and for them to name them. You got that picture? You can't find it in the text where, where Adam brought Eve. Where Adam reciprocated and would bring Eve before God and said, Eve, I want to introduce you to God. He's not only the creator, he's our father. And I want you to know he's the authority over our lives. If he would have brought Eve before the father, then Eve would have known the father, not as creator, but as Jehovah. Have you ever, ever heard that preached? I have it. The Lord dropped it in my heart two days ago. He never brought, Adam never brought Eve to the Father. He worked with God. He fellowshiped with God. And it said that God and Adam fellowship in the cool of the day. Why didn't Adam say, Eve, come on, let's go hang out with God together? Because yes, if she would have spent time with the Father, she would have known how to respond. Yeah. Because she would have known what she had. She would have known her possession. If you don't know your possession, the devil will talk you out of what you already have. But not you. Because over the next few weeks, we're going to dig into this word. And I'm telling you, you walk out of this place, after a few weeks of this, you're going to walk out and know from the word of God, not only mental where you can find it and quote it, but depth of your spirit. And the enemy knocks on your door and says, I'm going to take your peace today because someone cuts you off. You'll say, "Uh uh-uh, devil, that peace belongs to me. It's mine. I'm not giving it up. I refuse to give up peace for the joy of the Lord is my strength. The peace of God. Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives it. Oh, I'm having an angry, hard day. Well, why? Because you have God's peace. Say possession. We have opposition. We have possession. Possession. It's even in Mark 11, 23, 24. When you pray, believe that you have received them and you shall have them. How do you get to a place of, I believe I have received it? Because you get into perspective. Your, the eyes of your understanding become open to know what belongs to you from this word. For the promises of God to you and to me, they are yea and amen in King James, which means approved and so be it. What am I telling you? In the New Testament, in the New Testament, the promises of God are based on the covenant of Jesus, what he did on the cross of Calvary. And if God promised it in the New Testament, it belongs to you. 
It belongs, if you believe that, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. It belongs to you. If you're taking notes, write this down. My conviction on my possession comes from my perspective. My conviction of my possessions comes from my perspective. My conviction of my possession comes from my perspective. What am I saying? It's having a covenant mindset. Ephesians 6, 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Take the helmet, it's the armor of God. In the context of Ephesians 6, he's talking about in that day of battle, put on the armor of God, that you can be strong and courageous, having done all stand. And he goes in about putting on the armor. And one of the pieces of the armor is the helmet of salvation. That word salvation is in the Greek, is solterior or sozo, based on saved or salvation. And it is a covenant word. It doesn't mean you're saved That in the sense of I'm saved and going heaven that's a part of it but that's not the complete essence of it do you see what i'm most people say are you saved i'm saved i'm going to heaven well praise god that's a a piece of the puzzle but that's not the complete entirety of the picture because a covenant and a better translation would be a contract but you have to understand with the contract contract context that what covenant is never broken unless it is defiled by one of the parties I don't know if this is true, I haven't vetted it, but I was just told that the Mexican cartel had a contract with the, the, the government, and they stayed out of all-inclusive resorts as long as the government did their part. The government just evidently violated their covenant, and they just taken, uh, the cartel just took the ban off Mexico, all the resorts. Why? Because one party didn't fulfill the other party. What am I telling you? If you're on your way to Mexico, think again. Pray about it. So if we're in a contract, one of us can break it. But you've got to understand that God created a covenant. And the Bible says that he looked throughout the earth and could not find any man. So he, by his own arm, he brought salvation. He did a covenant amongst him and himself for you. Which means he will not violate it. Let all men be liars and God be true. His word, Psalms 119, is established. It is above even his own name. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away before my word fails. So if God said it, he said, listen, I'm going to do something. And on the cross of Calvary, he cut, it, he cut a covenant. Because every covenant needs the cutting or shedding of blood. And he cut a covenant for you and I. What am I telling you? That that covenant will never be nullified. Back to Ephesians 1, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know the hope of his calling, the riches of his inheritance and the saints, the exceeding greatness of his power towards you, who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him up on high, far above all principality power, not only in this life, but in life to come. Are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? That at that name, every knee must bow. It is a covenant of such extreme importance that God said, I'll not only do it for this side of eternity, I'm doing it into the next side of eternity, which means it's in perpetuity. That's a legal word, which means it is perpetual. It will not cease. What am I telling you? It is ever, ever, 
continuing and will never be changed. It is permanent now and forever. And so you don't have to wonder if God will. He's already done it. He's finalized it. You have a covenant called the blood of Jesus and your sins are forgiven. But also in that covenant, you are healed by his stripes. First Peter 2.24. Every promise is, every promise of God comes out of that covenant. And so when the devil says he won't do it this time, you have to ask him, oh, did the covenant change? No, the covenant can't change. It is forever established. This side and the next side. And every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess. What am I saying? Under the authority of the name. Why? Because it's at that name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm having a covenant mindset. I'm having a covenant mindset. What is the helmet of salvation? It is putting on the mindset. For you have the mind of Christ, the Bible says. You might have to have thoughts that will come and you have to deal with them. But just because a thought comes doesn't mean you have to stick with it. Birds fly over your head, but you don't have to. You can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from making a nest in your hair. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and reasonings and any high thing that always exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of God in Christ Jesus. What am I telling you? You have authority. You can have a covenant mindset that when the enemy begins to try to take something from you, you go, wait a minute, that's mine. That's in my covenant. If you don't get that mindset, things change. I won't mention, at the other location, we had a daycare for like 40 years. 42 years, I think. And I remember one daycare director many years ago Wonderful person. Everybody liked. But the challenge was, never required anybody to pay. Pay when you want. I can't do it this time. That's okay. Next week it'll be fine. Which is great for public relations. It's horrible for paying bills and business side. Like, you got to get the money from them. Well, they just can't. They're having a hard time. Later down the road, this individual had their own daycare. And I asked, do you let people just extend it? Oh, no, if they don't pay on Monday, they are not dropping their kid off. And I asked them, well, why didn't you do that at the the other daycare? Well, that wasn't my money. Come on, somebody. Stay with me because there's some truth in this. When you think it's somebody else's, you're going to be less manageable of it. But when you begin to say, that is mine, that is mine, that is mine. Do you see what I'm talking about? All right, let's bring in the world of politics. And since, you know I mean, we're in a year of politi- politics, you know what I mean? My perspective is I'm not here to tell you how to vote, pray, research, and, you know what I mean? There's too many people died on the battlefield, shed their blood for us not to vote. Okay, so that, that, that's my spiel, and I'll stick to it. So, but, you know, politicians have learned programs that give money to people, what they call entitlement programs, are great to get votes. But once you give them to people, you can't take them away from people. They'll thank you with a smile and think you're the best person in the world when they're taking it from you. But once they get it and they get used to it, you touch it, you think you just spat on their grandmother. They, they will fight you tooth and nail. Why? Because it's not, it's not the government's money, which really is people's money the government took but anyway i don't want to go down the road it's not the government's money they're giving to you what it is is that's mine 
You're not touching mine. That's my why they, it's called an entitlement mentality that they expect it. They expect it. It's not theirs, but they expect it. And you don't mess with it unless you want to fight on your hands. Well, if we'll do that for government pennies, when we begin to understand the covenant of a heavenly covenant, and begin to see that you are the sons and daughters of the Most High God. That you are heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. Are you listening to me today? When the devil messes with it, something on the inside should rise up. You should have what they call a holy anger. The, uh, a righteous indignation. And begin to say, ah, uh-uh, devil, you're not touching that. Because that's not my neighbor's. That is mine. That belongs to me. Who do you think you are? I mean, we'll fight politicians, but we'll just be appeal, uh, appeasing to the enemy and say, oh, please don't take it. What do you mean, please don't take it? What do you mean telling that, treating that demon with some respect? Oh, please leave me alone. That, that's not how it works. you got to rise up and talk to the devil like he's a little dog yapping at you and you're tired of him and hearing him and say, I'm pretty much done with you. Now get out of here. Come on, somebody. What is your perspective? I'm entitled to the possession based on my position. I'm entitled to my possession based on my position. Even the, product, prayer, the parable of the prodigal, the one son said, Father, give me my inheritance. There was no dispute on it, the right of the inheritance or receiving it. Now, he handled it wrong, granted. But the other brother had no perspective on inheritance. And the father said, you have been with me this whole time. Because the, the older brother said, you've never even given me a kid. And I've been serving you this whole time. And the father said, don't you realize you've been with me this whole time? Don't you realize you've been with me? We should be in relationship. We're in the relationship. You're my son. Don't you realize all that I have belongs to you? Why are you waiting for me to bring it to you? I've already provided it for you. you got to learn to tell the servants, bring it to me. I know we're going deep. Some of you are like, I don't, my Sunday school teacher in third grade didn't say it that way. Well, maybe she was wrong. You can love her, send her flowers if she's still alive, but at the end of the day, challenge everything with the word of God. I'm telling you, you are entitled to what belongs to you because of your position. First John chapter 4 verse 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. You are what? You are of God. You are, I'm speaking to somebody. You're just not a sinner saved by grace. That's religion. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the word tells me, and I'm speaking that and declaring over your life, that you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater, greater, greater greater is he that is on the inside of you than he that is in the world first john 4 verse 17 herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment or testing because as he is so are you in this world first john 5 verse 4 for whosoever is born of god overcomes what am i telling you your position dictates your possession you're not a servant on the outside you're not a second-rate citizen you are a son and daughter of the most high god you are a son of the king of kings and the lord of lords you are more than what the enemies told you more than what the world has told you more than what your family's told you more than what your spouse has told you more than what your income has told you i'm telling you greater is he it's all available to you get ready child of god come on give a praise
For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. When the devil tries to steal from you healing, when he tries to steal, he's not trying to give you sickness. Why do we take ownership for it? You got to pray for my, my diabetes. Since when did diabetes become yours? You better check your mouth because out of the abundance of your mouth, Jesus said, the heart speaks. And I'm telling you, you got to get that attitude of your heart right so we can get the words out of your mouth right. As long as it's your diabetes, it will be your diabetes. But that's not what belongs to you. You can talk to your pancreas. Pancreas, wake up and begin to function. Well, that, uh, I've tried that. It didn't work. For, it's because you didn't understand your perspective of your position. But when you will get the ownership from your position and know your possession, you'll begin to say, I don't have to live like this. Isn't that what the prodigal said? He said he came to himself. He came to himself. He came to himself. It wasn't the hard times. It was the coming to himself. And he said, does not my father's servants have more than enough? Why do I tolerate this? Greg Bruce translation. Why do I stay here? Why do I live with this? Why have I embraced this? Why have I called it mine? It doesn't belong to me. The Father has much more. I'm going to rise up, Isaiah 60 verse 1. I'm going to rise up and I'm going back to my Father. I'm going back to the place that belongs to me. I'm going black. I'm going back to where there's milk and honey flowing. I'm going back to where there's healing. I'm going back to where there's joy. I refuse to stay where the enemy's brought me to and I'm going to rise up to where the Father is inviting me to. Submit yourself therefore unto God. James 4 verse 7. Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. You know why the devil doesn't flee from some of us? is because we haven't submitted to God. Why haven't we submitted to God? Because we thought We'll just do our life, and we expect God just to do his thing. But it's seek first the kingdom of God. God's saying, it's all available to you, but you got to understand. you got to see it the way I see it. you got to do it the way I'm asking you to do it. you got to obey me. Obey me. you got to do what I'm telling you to do. And it doesn't make sense to you, but it will work. It will work. It will work for you in the name of Jesus. It will work for you. Why? Because his word does not fail. We need to have a perspective change to understand our position so we can understand our possession so that we can stand and say, wait a minute, devil. All I have to do is tell you to go. That's, it's not my diabetes, not my migraines. Well, aren't you feeling that's denying the truth? No, that's fighting the fact because the Bible says, look not to that which is temporal or which is seen, which is temporal, but look to that which is unseen, which is eternal, the truth of God's word. And his truth says, by his stripes you were healed were healed i'm going to eat from the i'm going to eat from the table of god and the devil might be shouting something in my my one ear but that's okay i'm i'm still i refused i refuse you have to get a tenacity we've talked about that for years the, the world and the church world has taken tenacity out of the church and we think that we have to be passive and soft and everything's okay. 
and talk sweet and everybody's okay and we just got and it doesn't work that way the devil's not going to flee if you're going to say oh please mr devil i'm trying to be polite no you have to get real submit yourself therefore to god resist the devil and he will flee from you what am i saying next time he knocks on your door next time he tries to take that joy Next time he tries to take that piece and you start rehearsing in your imagination the hurts that those people did 30 years ago. And you just thought you were just daydreaming, just letting ideas flow. And all of a sudden something starts changing on the inside. And you were in peace and happiness and content. And all of a sudden as you're just daydreaming, all of a sudden things start stirring on the inside. And you're starting to feel stressed. You're starting to feel offended. You're starting to feel angry again. And you're like, should I just stick with that? No, you need to rise up and say, "Uh uh-uh, devil. The blood of Jesus is against you. And in the name of Jesus, you got to go. I will not tolerate it. Peace belongs to me. I'm not letting it go. Say, it's mine. Come on, one more time. Shout, it's mine. Visualize that enemy that's been tormenting you, trying to tell you that you've already lost and that you have to have it. No, no, I'm telling you. You are more than a conqueror through him that loves you. You are victorious. Shout, it's mine. it's mine. But I knew the story of a good person. It didn't work for them. And you, can't, you can't explain all the details. Everybody's individual. they got to walk this out themselves. I cannot be your Jesus. I cannot be your Jesus. I can pray for you, but you have to walk this out at your level. You have to walk it out by faith. You have to walk it out by the word. Are you listening to me? But I'm telling you what's available. I'm not here to tell you that everything you've done is perfect and just float. I'm telling you that the greatness of God is still ahead of all of us. And what, as good as life is, there is some awesome stuff that he has for you. And where the enemy has set up roadblocks, I'm here to tell you that when you show up like the angel with Peter in prison, the moment you get close to the gate, it's going to open up automatically. Why? Because the God you serve, he's the God of the impossible. And he's doing the impossible for you today if you believe that in the last 30 seconds give the lord a lot of praise let the devil know your praise of jesus you got it it's already yours you're not waiting for it It belongs to you let the circumstances know that your shout is bringing the walls down because your god is more than enough hallelujah we praise you jesus we praise you jesus it's all about you it's all about you It's all about you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, well that was our introduction to the next few weeks before Easter. It's going to be a good month. Look to your neighbor and say, it's going to be a good month. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm not asking if you know about God. I'm not asking if you're a good person. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. The question I'm asking today is in the way you process and the way you experience, is Jesus Christ real to you? Is Jesus Christ, in the way you think, the way you process, the way you experience, is Jesus Christ real to you today? If not, he can be. In my opinion, it's one of the greatest miracles. Coming from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. Coming from darkness to light. 
being born again, a new creation, no past. God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. But it's all been paid for, but you have to receive it. You don't have to earn it. You just receive it by grace through faith. Revelation 3, Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open up, I'll come in. Romans 10 says, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He is so good. I'm going to pray a prayer in a few seconds. And if you do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, well, I've gone to church my whole life. Well, you can sleep in a garage. It doesn't make you a car. You have to have. Well, my parents are good Christians. God doesn't have grandparents. You have to have a real personal relationship with Jesus for yourself. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as you evaluate your own life, I'm here to tell you that God loves you. You don't have to live with that torment. You don't have to live with that fear. You don't have to live with that heavy cloud over your life. When the moments of your day, when the moments of your week get quiet, you can have peace. When you lay your head on your pillow at night, you can have confidence and rest and peace and know that your heart's right with God and you're going to heaven and you're serving him on earth. Again, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, or maybe you've you used to have a relationship with God, but for whatever reason, you've allowed things to come between you and God, and you know your heart's not right. This is your time. This is your day. Pray this prayer with me. Either one, pray this prayer with me. Say with me, Heavenly Father, I turn to you today. I repent of all my sins. I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God that he came to this earth in the flesh, died on a cross for my sins, was buried for me, and on the third day rose again for me because I believe that. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, wash me in your blood, forgive me, cleanse me, give me a fresh start. Say, Jesus, I don't want a religion. I want a real relationship with you. So I open up the door of my heart and life, and I invite you in. I invite you in as my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for saving me. And everybody said, amen and amen. Listen, before, before we clap, I just want to recognize that if you prayed that prayer, we want to celebrate with you. Also want to speak a blessing over your life. The word says that we can have that strength, that tenacity comes from God in our life. It doesn't mean that we're rude or arrogant or, or difficult. No, but there's a strength. It's one thing to pray a prayer and then go out into the world and live the way we always lived. It doesn't work that way. We need the ability, the strength. Maybe you've been prayed that prayer before, but then you get out and you get tempted and you just seem like you feel so weak. I'm telling you, God is the resolve. Jesus is the answer for that. We can have a, ten a tenacity, a strength, the Bible says. And so I want to speak that blessing over your life. And I know in the, in, in the scheme of psychology, 
one of the worst things people can do is talk in front of people they don't know or stand up in front of people they don't know. But I'm going to ask you to do it. Because my logic is, if we, it's hard for us to stand up for Jesus in this room where people will be clapping. How do we stand up for Jesus when the world's out there trying to get us to turn on him? There's something that has to turn on the inside that says, regardless of the price, I'm going to stand for Jesus. This is not a, if you're saved or not saved, but this is a tenacity. For some of us, we keep coming back, and I want you to keep coming back, but there's a way that you go from glory to glory, which means it's a progressive increase, Proverbs 4, brighter and brighter. You don't have to live for God for a week and then sin and then come back and live for God and start again and sin and come back. No, no, you can't have a strength to stand up against the enemy and against temptation. So if you prayed that prayer and you mean business with God at the count of three, I want you to stand to your feet. Now, if you're, if you're bold, stand quick because those who are passive will need a little encouragement. But I'm going to speak a blessing over your life if you'll stand. If you prayed that prayer, it meant business with God today at the count of three. Now, if you didn't, mean, if you didn't pray that prayer, you should be quietly praying to yourself right now. This is not a... But if you meant business with God and you prayed that prayer and said, I know that I know when I prayed that I'm saved. At the count of three, I want you to stand to your feet. Just, you don't have to come down here. Just stay where you're at, but stand to your feet. One, two, three. Stand now in the name of Jesus. Thank you. God bless you. Second, thank you. Third, fourth. God bless you. Fifth, God bless you. God bless you. Six, seven, eight, nine. Come on, church. Keep clapping. Who else is in the house? This is so important. This is so important. Ten, God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? I know there's a few more. Anybody else? Come on, keep clapping. I know my hands are getting tired. This, this is the real deal. Heaven's celebrating. We'll give a few more seconds there. I really believe that there's a couple more people. We'll give you a few more seconds. Who are you? Where are you? All right. Stay standing if you would. Let me first speak to you and encourage you. Congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. Brand new day today. Don't let the devil tell you about anything in the past. That's gone. That's dealt with. People say, remember when we did this 30 years ago? No, it wasn't me. It is gone. You say, I don't understand. You don't have to fully understand how a car works, but it's good to drive one. You don't have to understand how TV works, but it's good to watch one. But it's amazing. So first of all, congratulations. Second, I want to speak a blessing over your life. Third, I want to encourage you real quick. Three things. Number one, get a Bible. If you don't have one, let us know. Freedom, stand up. He'll be here following the service. You have to, if you want to let us know or ask any questions, he's one of our care pastors. Debbie will be at the, across the hallway. Get a Bible. And then start reading a little bit every day. It changes. But start in the Gospel of John. Don't start in Genesis. Start in the Gospel of John, right in the middle. Learn about Jesus. And then go to the epistles, the Pauline letters, Pauline epistles, Galatians, Ephesians. Those are letters written to the church. That's who we are. Okay? No, free me. You can stay standing. So get a Bible. Say, get a Bible. If you don't have one and you want a paper one, we'll get one in your hands. We are committed to you. Number two, get a church. We want you to be part of this church. Okay? This is where you're getting right with God. This is your God encounter. We would love to be a part. 
of your family ongoing. We're here for you. We will go to the nth degree to help you, but never two steps to chase you. We, we're just, we're transparent, low pressure, but we are committed to help you. But we're not going to chase people that don't want to be caught. There's too many other people that we can be helping. And so we're, we're here. We're available. So get, so be a part of this church family. You're like, I'm from Kansas. Move. It's only a five-hour drive. It's easy to pack and move. And we laugh at that. But you know what? Most people wouldn't, wouldn't laugh if someone said, I'm moving to Kansas because I got a great job opportunity. We would say, congratulations. Right. Oh, there's other churches. There's a lot of other churches, but not all of them are what God's called you to be a part of. This mindset of go to any church, not every church is going to speak the word. Not every church is going to celebrate your victories. Not every church is going to pray for you. What God's doing at Hope Church is unique. It is special. So get a Bible, get a church, get a cause. After you leave here today, sometime today, let the Lord place somebody on your mind. Not everybody, but one person. Reach out to them and let them know what Jesus is doing in your life. And invite them to church. You're like, I don't know how to answer any questions. I'm new to this. But you know more than they do. It could be like in the Bible when one of the disciples told us, come and see. I can't explain it. You just got to come with me and let them experience what God's doing. Amen. We don't pressure people. We don't manipulate people. We don't control people. We want you to live in the life that God has for you. Amen. And we're so proud of you. We love each and every one of you. All right, stretch your hands toward those dear people that are standing up. These are your new family members, folks. Isn't this amazing? Every week. Father, we thank you for the people that just received you and our new family. And we speak a blessing over their life according to your word. I ask you to strengthen them with might by your Holy Spirit in their inner person. That as they leave here today, they'll not only know that they're saved, but they'll have an unusual and amazing strength, peace, and calmness to stand up against the storms of life, against the temptations of the devil, and any, any attack. And Father, if there's any person in their life that's got a diabolical assignment against them to steal, discourage, or to keep them back, I ask you to relocate that person from them and send in twice the amount of friends into their life. And we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. Praise you. You can be seated. God bless you.